between tweet his e hit it with the jab get a good look 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 iso zones breaking bones put your hands up when you get sent home off a good look 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 it's the good look podcast it's the good look podcast it's the it's the it's the it's the it's the good look podcast Yes, sir, and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 53 of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, here to give you guys another episode. I ain't gonna hold y'all for too long. Um, the second the second round of these playoffs haven't really been off to the best start competitively. Um, there have been some moments here and there, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot that needs to be worked on. So I ain't gonna really be talking too much on this pod. Um, in terms of length, but I'm gonna definitely give y'all some substance because something really important obviously happened in the league involving my favorite team. Doesn't look too good in the playoffs, but I still believe <laughs> I still believe in them. Uh, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but thank you once again for listening to the GLP at the Good Look Podcast on Instagram is where you'll find the link. Anchor FM, shout out to them, appreciate it. At the Good Look Podcast on Twitter as well. That's how you'll find the links. If you still want to follow me on my Instagram, it's at L Pinkney, L P I N K N E E. Let's go ahead and get into some news, y'all. A couple of coaches got fired. So after the Nuggets beat the Blazers um, in round one, pretty much a day after Terry Stotts was on the outs, he got fired. Um, been there for multiple seasons. Um, was the coach when they got all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Um, they got swept by the Warriors, but everyone was going to lose to them. It's not their fault. Um, so Terry Stott's solid coach. Um, it's unfortunate that he just got uh, put in a situation where um, I've been hearing this uh, kind of, it's not a narrative, but this kind of push for this idea for a while where maybe just getting a new voice in the building is something that will just benefit your team after a while. Especially if you're not in a position to where you're dealing with like a really good coach. Like these kind of rumors came with Rick Carlisle this week and Mark Cuban said straight up, we are not getting rid of him. Um, the only reason you make a change like that is if you really feel like you're going to get yourself better. Do we really think that we're going to get ourselves better firing Rick Carlisle, who's an amazing coach? So um, I appreciate that sentiment from Mark Cuban. Um Terry Stotts just felt like a change needed to be made, and maybe it's right. Who knows? Warriors went from Mark Jackson uh, to Steve Kerr in a year, and that ended up getting them a push to win the title. Now, there are a lot more politics um, were involved with that. Ownership really didn't like him. Um, there are stories about it um, just with different dealings within the organization. Um, so, and, and Steve Kerr went into a tailor-made situation. And the Warriors also got fortunate in the postseason when LeBron lost Kyrie and Kevin Love. So, um, it is what it is. Um, I hope that Terry Stotts ends up getting another job because he's a solid coach. He's already getting rumors of getting the Indiana job, um, which I'll talk about in a second. And um, I not that many coaches have been fired actually, so it's it's a little bit interesting. We'll see what happens from here. Um, the other coach was Nate Bjorkren. Um, he got into it with his with his team towards the end of the season. It didn't look good. It wasn't a good look and. They made the postseason, but it wasn't something where, where they got into the playing, and it, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a good look. So, um, 
Nate Bjork in one year in, it's it's tough being a, a coach that only gets a, a year trial. Um, but it's it has more to do with the personnel that they have. Um, Karis LaVert is someone who came on in the second half. Um, Sabonis is still good. Brogdon's still good. Um, but it's a lot of B players on that team. There's no A. They need an A kind of guy to lead that squad. If you had an A kind of guy on that team, you would see a completely different outlook for the Indiana Pacers. It's just tough because they can't really trade. The, the only way they could get is if they traded for it or if they draft a guy like when they got Paul George. Um, when Paul George get drafted? I believe it was like 2010 or 2011. I'm not sure. Um, but they have to get a guy like that if they want to be competitive. Um, so sorry, Nate Bjorkman. I don't know if he'll be able to get a job as a head coach again really soon. He's going to have to earn it, get back on the seat as an assistant, and then pretty much go from there. All right. Um, LeBron changed his number. If you didn't know, everyone and their mama tweeted about it. I feel like it got more news than Jokic getting the MVP, but (laughs) LeBron, He's talked about it before. He's going to change his number again from 23 to 6 like it was in Miami. Miami Braun was amazing. Two titles in four seasons. Um, it lets you know that all our expectations in the NBA aren't always what they seem. A lot of people thought the Heat were just going to run through the league. They lost their first year. If it wasn't for the Ray Allen shot in the second season, they would have lost again. Um, so it's just a lot of... Uh, I kind of went on a tangent there, but it's let's just talk about the number. Going, it's his. He only he plays with six because it's his Olympic number. Um, AD's gonna stay with twenty or stay with three. He's not gonna wear twenty three like he did in New Orleans. Um, so yeah, that's all that is. Um, Chris Paul's gonna decline his forty four million dollar player option. Most likely, there's a report that came out with this, and I thought it was interesting because Chris Paul is thirty six, going on thirty seven. And he, it's funny because there's little, little details in the collective bargaining agreement. If you reach a certain age, you're not allowed to have a certain number of years in terms of an extension for yourself, which is weird. But you'll start seeing that once LeBron's contract is up as well. Um, And there's a certain amount of money that can be made. So Chris Paul is almost at 38. So he's almost at the cutoff. He is trying to find a way to get that contract extension before he turns 38, um, looking for a three-year kind of $100 million deal as opposed to just taking his one year of 44 and then seeing what he can do after that. Because after that, there's just certain details in terms of the kind of extension that he can get once he turns 38. Um, it's a weird rule, but it's it's in there. So Chris Paul, who's head of the Players Union, obviously knows that. So he's trying to find a way to... Um, finagle it to to benefit himself obviously and he is showing right now in these playoffs how valuable he still is um and he's still going to be this good next year the only concern with chris paul really is just him getting hurt um chris paul i think he's in a position to where he can be like john stockton and play till he's 40 and still be effective um i don't know how effective he'll be in terms of being like a star player because right now he's still a star um but Injury is the only thing that's going to derail him as he gets older. And unfortunately, he's had a past history with it. So you kind of expect that going forward. But the the amount of value that he can bring to a team, um, he's shown it in multiple spots. OKC doing it with Phoenix right now. He's shown it in multiple spaces. So um, a team that feels like, 
there's going to be a lot of pressure on Phoenix to re-sign him because of the success they're having, the success they've had. They are two wins away from getting to the Western Conference Finals, and that's a place they haven't been since 2010. Um, That random Steve Nash team, it's so annoying that that's the team. Steve Nash got to the Conference Finals um, when they were getting no breaks in the mid-2000s against the Spurs and teams like that, so... And that team ended up still having to play the Lakers. So Kobe did some nice work to him. Alvin Gentry, butt tap, that kind of thing. So um, I, I expect Chris Paul to get that extension. I think he knows that in free agency he's, he has that value. And that report wouldn't come out if Chris Paul and his, and his team didn't think that they'd have the opportunity. So I think that's definitely coming. Um, Kemba Walker and Celtics looking to break up. Um, Boston is going through a lot of change right now. Um, Kemba is, it's, it's a difficult thing to maneuver with Kemba Walker. He has been injured, uh, for two of the last seasons with the Celtics and it has not looked good when Kemba's been hurt. He's had knee issues, um, some neck issues in the past as well. Uh, it's, it's tough because if you look, (laughs) Kemba signed that contract a year and a half ago. Uh, four years, 140. He maxed himself out. Um, cap hit this year was 34 million. So you got to find someone who's willing to take on two more years of a diminutive point guard um, who has now shown a propensity to get hurt. Um, and do you even have the salary to match that? And when you trade for Kemba Walker, do you even feel like you're improving your team? You know. Boston's in a position now where they feel like they are almost cleaning house from everyone except Tatum and Brown. And it might be the way to go. Um, I, I They might even consider trading Jalen Brown. I wouldn't. But they're going to need a kind of point guard or playmaker who can facilitate the offense a little bit better than the, what Tatum and Brown do. Tatum and Brown are just scorers at this point, not really creators for others. Um, I'm going to bring up Chris Paul again, but if Chris Paul was a, a guy who could be brought in, or if you look at like an old age, like a, a prime Rondo, someone like that, a guy who could maneuver the offense, get guys in the correct spots and find way. Like you're obviously not going to get Luca, but you guys understand what I'm talking about. You need that kind of playmaker who can facilitate, make sure guys are in the right spots and keep the guys involved. It's hard to watch Tatum and Brown just dribble a lot and then get their buckets that way. Um, so Boston is is in for a reckoning. It started when uh, the injuries piled up and they lost in the first round and then the Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge retiring thing. So Boston, like I said, it's going to look mad different. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what comes out of this fallout. It's award season. Uh, Rudy Gobert, he won his third Defensive Player of the Year. Shout out to Rudy. Um, The Stifle Tower um, for the Utah Jazz averaged a career-high 2.7 blocks this year. So um, all of the the advanced defensive numbers also favor him, so he he definitely deserved it. Ben Simmons was a guy I I pushed for a little bit more. Um, I think people are really turned off by Ben having no offensive game even though Rudy really doesn't have much either um I think the defensive metrics really just um push him in that 
in that favor. And it's harder to quantify what Ben Simmons does defensively when you see it's a problem with the award to begin with. We see the big block totals and then pretty much give it to the to the centers, and that's kind of annoying. Um, the best defenders in this league aren't always just the guys who protect the rim. Um, but it's it's I'm kind of talking for both sides, but Rudy definitely deserved it. I think that Ben Simmons is going to win one eventually. Matisse Thibault honestly could end up winning one. That kid is amazing defensively if he could just stay on the court. But um, he got um. He got 84 out of 100 first place votes. It really wasn't that close. He, um, like I said, he deserved it. Um, and like um, his 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 value is personified in the last play of the the Clippers and Jazz game when he gets a block on Marcus Morris to go ahead and seal the deal. So shout out to Rudy Gobert. All right, y'all. I'm gonna go ahead and break down these series. There isn't much <laughs> to really break down. Um, I'll start with my team first, uh, Suns Nuggets. Suns, um, Suns Nuggets was a, a a close game for two quarters. It's been eight so far. Six of these quarters have, or six of these quarters have been trash. The first half was good. Both teams were playing well. Porter came out well in game one. Jokic came out well in game one. Both teams were trading jabs, things like that. Then the second half happened, and Phoenix went on a blitz, nineteen to two run in the third quarter. That's how you pop a game off, and the Phoenix crowd was absolutely insane, man. It sucks as a, uh, an opposing fan to watch it, but I know everyone else and the people who are especially Suns fans are truly enjoying it, and they should. They should be excited. They should be celebrating. They should be going crazy. Um, people haven't had hoops in, in a while, and, and having a full arena and going nuts like that. If that was my team, I'd be going crazy too. So it's just tough when it's against your team, but I totally understand them going hard for theirs it's it's dope it's nice to see um and they've rode that wave pretty much for the last six quarters the last six quarters of this playoff series have not been close um denver continues to find ways to play out of character um they got will barton back in game two which was interesting will barton's kind of a double-edged sword he has some good he has some bad to him but he's a playmaker and he's a creator, so it's nice to have him on the basketball court again. And he started off well. He got a dunk off a ridiculous Jokic pass, and he got a uh, he got a chase down block. So, hopefully, the healthier he gets, um, he'll be able to create a boost for this team. I, um, the game plan. They started three for nineteen from three. <laughs> The Nuggets started three for nineteen from three. We've never we're not a good three point shooting team to begin with. The best shooter on the team is Porter, and a lot of the shots that Porter were sh- was shooting were forced. I liked what Jalen Rose said on his show a couple of days ago. He said that um, certain players you want to speed them up so they get out of character because if you're playing if you're hooping, you play with a pace. You play at your level. Um, and you get comfortable. You're like, I take two dribbles. I pull up with the left. I go right, come off the screen. I hesitate. You do these things over and over and over again. You build a rhythm. You build a consistency, and that's how you feel comfortable scoring. Porter has felt consistency when he comes off the screen and he's wide open. Um, and a lot of the shots that he was taking were forced. They were saying his back was hurt. I think it's okay. 
I don't know if it's affecting him that much. He didn't look like that much different than I think he normally does. Um, he's not a good defender moving laterally. It's just what he is right now. So, And offensively, he's not a guy who's going to put the ball on the deck and make two, three dribble moves and get to the basket. Um, so he has to find ways to continue to get stronger. But you can't do that in the middle of a playoff series. It's something you have to work on in the offseason. He's got a lot to work on, but he has a couple of really good tools in his toolbox that he can rely on now. But he ha- he's just a, he's an incomplete player at this point, and you see it as the games go on. Um, and a veteran team like the Suns, especially, or a, a team with a veteran leader like Chris Paul is going to take advantage of that every time. But starting 3 for 19 from 3, they went 4 for 22 in the first half. They shot two free throws. They were incredibly ineffective and incredibly passive in terms of trying to get to the basket. They didn't start until the fourth, and they were already down by 25. At that point, it doesn't matter. So from the Nuggets side, you expect a couple of more of those shots to go in. If you start, if you start 8 for 19 <laughs> instead of 3 for 19, you're in, it again, you're in the game, and you're probably taking the lead at that point. So I think it comes down to making those shots and also having more consistency in terms of a flow on offense. We can't expect Jokic to do everything. Jokic led the team in every category that night. It can't happen like that. He needs help. And he's going to get his MVP trophy in Denver Friday evening. Um, he's going to have an incredible crowd behind him. Denver is going to show out, and Denver is going to be loud, and they're going to take advantage of that altitude, which is why I expect them and their role players especially to play a lot better. Um, I don't think the series is over. I think you just need one game and you see what happens. I think the Suns just did what they were supposed to do. They win the home games. They did it in resounding fashion. But there are things that the Nuggets can do um, to try to get back into the series. I'm expecting a Game 3 win. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It is what it is. But I expect them to win Game 3. I think their role players are going to play better. Denver is not a great team defensively which is why most of their stuff is predicated on the offensive end in order to make runs and stay ahead of the opponent because they really can't rely on getting stops you see how phoenix um, is so masterful with ball movement chris paul starts at the top he either gets the mismatches he wants or he creates the screen and roll action drags it out as far as he can gets the pass over to the correct spot and guys either swing or have initial wide open looks off the first pass so phoenix has dissected the denver defense and they have done it to the tune of two blowout victories shout out to the suns they've been absolutely magnificent i do think this series is not over i I had nuggets in six um they would have to run off four in a row um they won they came back from two three one deficits last year they came back two years ago from down two oh um it's, it's a team that finds a way to fight, man. And they're going to continue to fight because they're led by Jokic. Even though they're undermanned, it's I believe in this team. And maybe I'm being foolhardy because they're my team, but I think being objective about it, I spoke about it last week when the Clippers were down 2-0. As long as they got one game, anything could happen in Game 4, and Game 4 would end up turning into the most important game of the series. So we'll see how it goes. Um, Sixers-Hawks is 1-1. Trey Young masterful in game one. He was even playing with these dudes, like trying to, when he was bringing the ball up the court. 
Philly was just letting him run down and burn as much time as possible. It was really stupid. Um, but Philly took that gut punch, came back in game two, and and pretty much had control the entire night. Now, Philly did, or excuse me, Atlanta did come in and cut the lead to two. They outscored Philly by 11 in the second quarter. Um, but Philly relied on their MVP, Joel Embiid, to go ahead and get them through this one. And even on the torn meniscus, Embiid has been absolutely spectacular. 40 and 13. Um, Tobias and Seth as well really helped out. 22 and 21 points respectively. Um, they are out here putting in work. And Ben Simmons definitely isn't. He had four points. Um, but that's what he's, not what he's there for. He's not there to score. He's there to literally do everything else. Um, I had, if, if Embiid, if I didn't know if Embiid was going to look like the way he looked in these past two games, um, if he wasn't healthy, I was picking the Hawks, but with Embiid looking like this, I think they're going to take at least one in Atlanta, um, find a way to close this out in six. Now the Jazz won game one. Now game one was pretty exciting. Um, Donovan Mitchell had 45 points. The Clippers' lack of adjustments really hurt them in this game. Uh, Luke Kennard started off red hot, and I think Ty Lue ran or rode that train a little bit too much in the fourth quarter. Donovan Mitchell was headhunting Luke Kennard on every possession. He could not stay in front of him. Ty Lue should have tried to change and maybe get time or, excuse me, Terrence Mann into the game just so he could have a different look defensively and not just get totally torched. Um... But Donovan Mitchell is the reason they won that game. They went hard. They couldn't hit any shots in the first quarter. It was really weird. But they hung around. Found um, they could. The Clippers could not take advantage of the Jazz being down at that time. They should have been up by 15, 20 points at that point. But they weren't. Um, and now the Clippers go back to the drawing board. We'll see what they do tonight. Um, but even with them playing like crap, coming off of Game 7, they still had a chance to tie the game in the final seconds. So if you're if you're the Clippers, you take that. Um, but you also feel like you missed an opportunity on a night when you're not playing well. The really, really good teams win games they're not supposed to win. The Clippers, or excuse me, the great teams do it. The great teams win games they're not supposed to win. This shows you that the Clippers are a very good team. Now, could they still win the title? Obviously, with the way that the outlook of the league looks like. Who knows who's going to stay healthy? This has been truly a war of attrition. Um, but I um, was impressed with what Utah did. Um, and Utah should also feel good as well. They didn't have Mike Conley, and they were still able to pull that out. So that's going to be a solid series. I got... Man. I'm going to go Jazz in seven. I think the, I think the Jazz are going to pull that out in seven. And last but certainly not least, definitely not least, Kevin Durant and the Nets up 2-0 against Milwaukee. Now, this is the series I said was going to be fun as hell. Guess what? It has not been fun for every, anyone except for the people in Brooklyn um, because they are having themselves some games. KD has been asserting himself, reminding everyone in the world that KD is really good at basketball, if you didn't know. Um, the role players. Let's just talk about the role players before, obviously, giving the big dogs their shine. Kevin Dur or just look at game two. Joe Harris, 13 points, three threes. Bruce Brown, 13 points. 
Um, Landry Shamit came in with nine. Mike James um, came in with ten, and he played twenty three minutes. They've been trust, trusting Mike James. He was a game high plus thirty. Um, so they're finding ways to get their role players involved, and it's been it's been incredible. Um, but obviously, it starts with the stars. Kyrie Irving twenty two points. Kevin Durant thirty two points on incredible efficiency, twelve of eighteen from the field. Um, they got nothing for him, and guess what? The league doesn't have anything for him. When Kevin Durant wants to score, he's going to score. And the only reason he doesn't score is because um, he misses, not because you really do anything. Um, so I had this series. Um, I had this Nets going in six. It's still on the way to going to that. I still think Milwaukee is going to come out with a way better effort in game three. Like I said, with the other series that have been down 2-0, it's not over yet. Um, you gotta get, you gotta see what a game three looks like. Game three is dictated a lot. And then you end up with the most important game in game four. But people like to write things off right away so they can be right, right away. It's not how this works. Let the games of the series play out a little bit more. Let teams make adjustments and we see what happens. So, um, I still have the Nets winning, but I think Milwaukee comes out with a way better effort. And I think they win game three. All right, um, so this is what's going to be the big portion of the pod. Um, Nikola Jokic is the 2021 NBA Most Valuable Player. Now, normally when I do my podcast, I have a bunch of notes. Um, I write them down, I rehearse them, I, I go over them right before um, I hop on the mic. Um, but I left this section intentionally blank. Uh, because I wanted to see what I, what would come off the top of my head when speaking about Nikola Jokic winning the MVP. Now he's down 2-0 in the series right now, and he's doing a he's trying to do the best that he can um, with the team that's been presented with him against a really good Phoenix team. So, um, but this award is about the regular season, and Nikola Jokic was masterful the entire regular season 26 11 and almost nine assists per game he's the first mvp in denver nuggets history he is the lowest drafted mvp 41st overall in nba history he is the first serbian in nba history to win the most valuable player award and i know that the rest of the league really isn't going to give him his just due so it's guys like me, it's the people who support him in Denver um, who are going to be the ones that champion this guy. So I'm going to go ahead and wax poetic on Jokic for a little bit. This team was terrible. This team started out in the gutter. They were as low as 15th in the Western Conference. Michael Porter Jr. ended up going out for two COVID stints, missed 11 games. Jamal Murray ended up missing the final 18 games because he tore his ACL. Will Barton missed the final 16 games because he popped his hamstring. P.J. Dozier missed time. And if you don't know P.J., he's a key rotation piece. He's a guard, 6'5", who can do some things for Denver. Monte Morris missed multiple games with this team. And guess what? Jokic just kept chugging and chugging and chugging along. 
And before I keep going on about Jokic, a big uh, narrative and a big talking point that arose throughout this season was trying to find ways to not give Jokic the award because other guys had quote-unquote better cases. Every case that you make for every player, there's a flaw. There's one point or two points that regardless of what you argue with, Jokic's wins. And that was reflected in the voting. 91 of 100 first place votes went to Nikola Jokic. Chris Paul, his biggest, his most favorable argument was that he's, his team is winning. The Phoenix Suns were the healthiest team in the league this year. And guess what seed they finished? Number two. The Nuggets were one of the most unhealthy teams in the league this year. Guess what seed they finished in? Three. So with Chris Paul's biggest argument being his team is winning because it wasn't his numbers. He averages just as he averages almost the same amount of assists as Jokic and scores 10 less points. His biggest argument was that he was a winner. And guess what? Jokic finished one spot below him. Giannis. Now, Giannis got penalized by some people for winning two MVPs in a row. He shouldn't. This this award is an award that's based on one regular season. We don't care what you did the past two years. It's about what happens this season. Giannis's numbers across the board, especially in the desist department, an efficiency standpoint. They're not the same. Player efficiency, um, look at the advanced numbers. Jokic is obviously not the defender Giannis is. But a big point in that emphasis is kind of something that I want to bring light to just as a sidebar now that I'm talking about it is that whenever someone says, oh, this guy is a great defender as well. The offense, the game has skewed so much to offense. Guys aren't allowed to play defense anymore. Teams can. Teams collectively still can. Individually, it's nearly impossible. So if you want to say a guy is a good defender, I will say I would give offense 75% and defense 25% in terms of impact overall. So you can be an A-plus dynamite defensive player, but if you're like Matisse Thibel, where your only real value comes on the defensive end, you're limited. You need to get you need to get buckets in this game. So you can say um, a Ben Simmons, because Nick Wright tried to come up with this point. He said Kyrie is a ninety nine on offense and like a twelve on defense, but Ben Simmons is like a 95 on defense and then a 70 or on offense or whatever number it would be. I would prorate that because there's only so much of a defensive impact that you can have the way that the game is called today. This game favors offense. This game is always favored offense. Games move and are won 
with offense. Now, you still have to play some defense. I'm not trying to disregard it at all. But when people try to bring the argument up, oh, the defensive nature and the way I get it, there's value there. But it's not as big as you think. It's not a 50-50 split. And what Jokic can provide offensively, the skill level, it's night and day what Giannis provides. Giannis had an amazing season. He could have finished anywhere from two to four on a ballot um, for people who voted for him, and I wouldn't have been mad at all. But the season just didn't stack up. Now, the person who had the closest chance was Joel Embiid, who finished second. He only got one first place vote, though. You know why? He couldn't play enough. He missed 21 games. And now people want to say, well, if you didn't miss the games, then he wouldn't, then Jokic wouldn't be the MVP. Okay, I guess we'll never know. Tell me when, when Embiid's going to play a full season or close to it because it hasn't happened. And I love that dude. But he can't stay healthy. As dominant as a big as there is in the game, as dominant as a player there is in the game. But durability matters. They say it all the time. The best ability is availability. So if your numbers are pretty much the same, he averages Jokic averages more assists and he played twenty more twenty one more games than you, I'm sorry, there's no argument. Steph was last. Steph averaged 32 points a game. He was amazing. The scoring champ, guess what? His team didn't even make the playoffs. Don't talk to me. If you guys want to start giving MVP awards to players who finish that low, then we're going to have to completely retool what we think the MVP is because that is ridiculous. This isn't baseball. This isn't baseball where it's an individual sport masked as a team sport. When you have individual matchups of pitcher versus hitter. So the impact that a hitter has um, can be more can be more correctly quantified. That's why Mike Trout can win MVP awards and his teams aren't that good. It's truly about the individual player. NBA is about multiple things. It's about your team's record. It's about your statistics. It's about who's around you. It's about your circumstances. And if you ask the question for every, if you ask that question and apply it to Nikola Jokic every single time across the board, he had the best season of anyone in the NBA this year. 26, 11, and 9 for the third best team in the Western Conference. That dude has worked and worked and worked. People telling him he's overweight, out of shape can't jump over a piece of paper all these different things all the doubters and people still are people are still asleep i get why people are still asleep no one's watching the nuggets play basketball like Giannis won back-to-back mvps and i love watching the bucks but still i'm not running to watch the bucks play and it's not like Jokic plays like Kyrie. he's or 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 Joel Embiid for that matter, where it's just so in your face. He's so subtle. He's so smart. That would be the one word I would describe Jokic's game as. Subtle. It's a jab step here or there. It's positioning in the post in order to get a shot off against a guy who's bigger or quicker. It's playing at his own pace so subtly that he's able to get these shots off. It's the subtle touch that he puts 
on floaters and putbacks and, and passes. He is one of the most incredible basketball players I've literally ever watched in my life. And I wish more people understood that. I get it. The NBA is predicated on its stars and the ones that bring the most attention. So we're going to talk about Durant. We're going to talk about LeBron. We're going to talk about Steph. LeBron got a whole. LeBron got like three segments on Undisputed the other day, and he's not even in the playoffs anymore. So I get it. And there really isn't a lot of national attention that goes when you talk about Jokic because what are you talking about really? Talking about an incredibly efficient, effective, one of the best players in the league. How are you going to make that controversial? Nick Wright did his damnedest. And he's still trying. He still thinks Chris Paul should have won the MVP. But it's not even close. And I'm glad the voting reflected it. If you want to get mad at the voting, would you have voted for anyone else? No. So the right guy won. So why are you mad? Would you be mad if Joel Embiid got seven first place votes and then Jokic got 84? Who cares? He won. And it is what it is. So I'm going to stand up for my guy Nikola Jokic. Who had the best season. Best regular season in the NBA this year. I am so lucky that I get to watch this guy play every night. Show why he's one of the best players in the league. And continue to prove a lot of people wrong. I think he's in that Dirk mold for sure. I didn't understand why Dirk was so good. When his game was so different. But when you watched Dirk play. And it finally culminated in 2011. There was just a sense of appreciation for that man's game. That just was so. So incredible to watch. And I think Jokic could be better. I love Jokic. I hope he continues to be in Denver for a really long time. He seems like the kind of player that will be. This has been one of the most enjoyable basketball seasons I've ever watched. And Nikola Jokic helped make it that way. Congrats to the 2020-2021 Most Valuable Player of the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic. Once again, I want to thank you guys for listening to the GLP. This was episode 53. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney. Going to keep giving you guys the episodes as they roll out. Thank you again for listening to me. Please, on the podcast, like, rate, review, subscribe. You guys can subscribe too. Um, at the Good Look Podcast on YouTube, I'll start putting up the videos again soon, but just not right now. Um, but please go on Anchor FM. Please go on the DSPs and make the reviews. I really appreciate it. It really helps me a lot. So I want to thank you guys for listening. Be back again next week with a new episode. 
Hope you have a good one. Good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck. It's the Good Luck Podcast.